Hey, Harlan. Uh, just wanted to call and say hi. I missed the podcast. And, I mean, I really wish the podcast was still on because, like, in the way that things are going now, I mean, we could all use a little laughter in there. And it's kind of hard to find it anywhere, man. Uh, not any good podcasts that I can see besides yours. But, anyways, I miss you, buddy. And, uh, you have a good one. Hope everything's good. Alright, take care. Bye. Is there anybody out there? out there Is there anybody out there your hairy purple baboon ass cheeks there's somebody out here and it's me <laughs> it's your little buddy harland zachary williams and zachary is not my middle name okay oh yes gurgle schnurgens and blurgle nurgens what is going on Wow, is there anybody out there? Is there going to be anybody out there? I've had people leaving messages saying they're getting scared and there's nothing to laugh at anymore and they want me to do another podcast. And I hear your voices as we all sink into the chasm of desperation, chaos, and mayhem. I'll be here to reach up my hand and pull you back up. <laughs> or am I on borrowed time too? <laughs> well, whatever it is, gurgle nargs and blargle gogs, I don't think we can let a virus like this go by without having a few laughs to keep us sane. So you asked for it. Pavement Pounders, you got it. Here I am, back from the grave, Harlan Williams, a very special Harland Highway virus edition. Just to keep your head screwed on and keep a smile on your face, a little joy in your heart, and take your mind off all this madness. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do this. Let's get our hazmat suits on. Let's get our face masks and our rubber gloves and give ourselves an enema. This is the very special virus edition of the Harlan Highway. What is this? Some kind of a joke or something? Welcome to the Harland Highway. What are you talking about, Willie? Son, you got a panty on your head. Shut up and sit down, you big bald fuck. Oh, God, what's happening here? 
Harlan. Hey, Harland, it's Shelly. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That is fantastic. <laughs> What's wrong with everybody in this crazy place? The Harland Highway. <gasps> what is it? The opening. To what? To another dimension. This is Harland Williams. You're a bad man. You're a very bad man. That is fantastic. So here we are. We meet once again. The end of days takes us straight down the Harland Highway. And there I stand at the dead end side, my arms outstretched, waiting for you, promising to take you to sanctuary, to guide you through the darkness away from all the madness from all the horror, from the mobs rampaging in the streets. I take you to a place where there's laughing, and giggling and chuckling, and joy and sunlight, and people, people crying through tears of joy. They've come to the Holland Highway for salvation, to get away from the chaos, the destruction, the end of days. And so, and so you have arrived, and I shall take you there. Take my hand, and here we go. <laughs> How about that? How about a little drama there for the beginning of the show, huh? Pavement Pounders, look out, Sally. Wow, it's a little weird out there right now, isn't it? It's a little weird. I want to thank you for your phone calls. Uh, the gentleman at the beginning of the show, I think an East Coaster from Canada, maybe, I'm guessing. And uh, some t- some Twitter suggestions and requests that uh, I get my ass on the microphone and do a, a virus, save us from the virus podcast, which was something I was thinking of doing anyways, because, you know, I don't know what it is within me, but like I've been watching all the, the, the news footage and hearing all the doomsday stuff and, you know, people are scared and nervous and panicky and I guess there's just something in me. It's either nurturing or it's instinct or whatever, but I'm just like, let's have some laughs. So today we'll have some laughs. We'll talk about this thing. We'll try and uh, get you calmed down. We're going to have some people calling in that maybe can put this in perspective. And, uh, you know, I think we'll all get through it, gang. I think we'll all get through it, you know. Um, we'll do it. But we do, you know, you, you, you got to have laughter along the way. There's always, in tragedy, there's always laughter. And, and we're not doing it to mock anyone or make fun of anyone who's sick. But uh, as a whole, as humans, we, we need to find some lightness in the darkness. And we have to, to kind of giggle our way through this stuff as, as kind of uh, counterintuitive as that may seem. But it's good therapy. It's good for the, the heart, the soul, the mind. And so here we are, gathered round the campfire, 
of doom telling jokes. Um, so how have you guys been handling this? Have you been, uh, have you been hoarding? Have you been hiding? Have you been hunkering down? Um, I was in Florida when this whole thing broke out and, uh, I was on vacation and I had to attend a wedding down there and I was, I was staying at kind of this remote little place by the ocean, kind of off the beaten track where I was fishing and a little bit removed from the the general population. But uh, I made a determination to come home back to Los Angeles because, you know, that's where all my stuff is and that's where all my work stuff is and that's where my home is. And and I thought, you know, I might as well uh, be around uh, my friends and, and, uh, and my home and things that I know that I'm familiar with when the, uh, when the crap hits the fan, man. So I'm here, and one of the things I did, you know, I was getting reports from all my buddies back here. They're like, oh, my God, it's, it's crazy here, and the, 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 uh, the, the supermarkets are empty, and there's no food on the shelves, and oh, my God. You know, I, th- I think sometimes people tend to over-panic in these situations, too. And so I factored that in, but I also thought, well, do I want to land back in L.A. and immediately have to go to the uh, grocery store because I've been away, so I don't have any groceries. And do I want to, uh, do I want to, do I want to fight the lines? Do I want to get there and, and there's no food to choose from? And uh, it was interesting because going to the airport, I, uh, I had a rental car in Florida and I had to drive through several little Floridian towns on the way. And I thought, you know, I only have a carry-on bag. I never check luggage because I find it annoying. But I thought, instead of landing in Los Angeles and dealing with what might be there, I still didn't know how, how crazy it was. I thought, why don't I be proactive? And what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll stop at a Walmart in one of these little towns where there's no people. And I'll go in and I'll buy a great big suitcase for like, $65. I think I spent 70 bucks on this great big hard shell suitcase at Walmart. And Walmart not only has produce, but they have they have groceries too. So uh, I did everything at once and I, I got this big suitcase. And then I went to the food section and I got all these, like there was no one there. There was just business as usual at the little town. They're like, what? I don't care. What Virus? What, what, isn't that the name of, uh, of Teddy's son? Is that Vi- Virus Jackson down there by the old bridge? Um, so I, I filled up my food cart with about $100 worth of non-perishables, some canned stuff, boxes of granola bars. Um, Cornell has these, these little things. They're like microwave meals. They look like little food trays, and they're sealed. And they're these these little meals. They got like Thanksgiving dinners and beef stroganoff and an Irish stew. And you can put them in the microwave for one minute and you just peel the lid back and you've got a fully cooked meal like meat, gravy, beef, chicken, noodles, whatever they stuff into this sodium milkshake. Yeah, so you you know there's a lot of salt when when they're sealing Thanksgiving dinner in a plastic food dish. Yeah, you know there's probably enough salt in there to salt some salt. 
whatever that means. So I, I got a whole bunch of this stuff. I went out to my rental car, threw the suitcase open, filled it up with all these groceries, rolled it up to the airport, which was empty, took it to the counter. I said, uh, yeah, put this on the plane and the cargo and I'll pick it up in L.A. So I got, I got my uh, carry-on bag with me, with all my essentials, my, my keys and my laptop and all that. And then, uh, and then I had all the uh, stuff, all the, all this food. <laughs> it feels so weird. I've never done anything like this in my life, but I, you know, I like to be prepared. So I get this big suitcase of food. They, they put it on the conveyor belt. Off it goes into the fuselage of the jet, in the underbelly of the jet. I land in L.A. I go to, I go to luggage, which I never do. Like, I, I travel all over the world. I never go to a luggage rack I, or a luggage baggage claim thing. I didn't even know how to do it, really. I was asking them, where do I go? What do I do? Like, I always just carry a carry-on suitcase, always. And, uh, and so I get down to the, the baggage claim, and after about a 10-minute wait, clunk, there's my, uh, there's my big fat suitcase full of food. I had my car parked at, right at the airport, so I just rolled it across the street from the baggage claim, got my car with my giant hard shell squander of food, and I rolled it home, and now I got a, my pantry's full of horrible salt, <laughs> sodium-rich meals, and I'm like, if this thing doesn't turn into a a walking dead. I'm going to have so much crap in my in my pantry cupboard. But you know what? That that's okay. It's better to be it's better to have stuff and things go wrong than to not have stuff and things go wrong. So so I'm set. I got about 3 months worth of stuff. And the reason I say 3 months is because I'm one of these guys that plans ahead. Okay? I plan ahead for this kind of chaos. And years ago, I bought one of those survival boxes of food. You see them advertised on TV late at night. It's like you get a big cardboard box, and it's full of, um, I think I might have talked about this on some previous podcasts. It's filled with uh, like like uh, powdered food, emergency food supplies. So in this box, I think I have three months worth of of powdered food with all the nutrients in it. You just add water. And I'm sure it doesn't taste all that great, but it would be sustenance. It would keep you alive. So I've had that hidden in a sh- on a shelf somewhere in my house for, for years, just in anticipation of riots or fires or floods or blackouts or something like this. So... Um, so that married with my giant Walmart suitcase full of food, I'm 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 good to go, man. I'm I'm ready to hunk. I can probably last up here for like I don't know three four months without having to go grocery shopping. And then and then I have a yard that is just filled. I mean, I live up in the hills, and every night I see raccoons and skunks and deers and coyotes and possums and squirrels and there's a lot of fresh meat running around on my property, okay? So when I run out of the uh, Thanksgiving Salt Lovers Delight dinner from my uh, my local uh, grocery store, 
I'm going I'm to sit me down to a nice Thanksgiving raccoon. Hell, I'll eat a skunk if I have to. All you got to do is cut its butthole out and it should taste okay. I mean, a deer? I could, I could get myself a deer. People eat squirrel. I'm not opposed to barbecuing a coyote. Look, if I got to live and we're in virus world, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to eat, man. Okay? And I got a pool full of water. Well, what's a little chlorine going to do? Maybe it'll purify the, the meat I'm going to eat when I hunt in my backyard. How weird is it, hunting in your own backyard? As I snuck around the picnic table, I tiptoed through the sandbox, past the swing set, over to the fire pit, around the barbecue, and there it was, a wild coyote. I mean, what kind of hunting ground is that? I snuck up onto the lawn chairs, and boom, I took my shot. But, um, you know, food is one thing, and then moving around is a whole nother d- dilemma. Holy smokes, the, the flying? I mean, I was sitting beside a guy with, a, with, a, with a, one of those uh, face masks on and gloves. People, people wiping down the, the, uh, the seats beside me. Smelt like I was uh, in, an, in an oven cleaning contest or something. People on the plane wiping down with, with Lysol. And and here's the kicker, you know. They're, they got their face mask on and their rubber gloves and they're, they're wiping everything. You know, and then all of a sudden uh, they plop down the uh, airplane food right in front of them and boom, off come the masks. Oh, yeah, once there's food involved, they rip that mask off. Who cares? Let me breathe in whatever you got. And I'm like, hey, uh, you know, the coronavirus uh, doesn't go away just because you're at Burger King, all right? The coronavirus doesn't take a break while you're sucking back a salmon. The coronavirus doesn't, like, create a bubble and not penetrate your lungs just because you're like, scarfing down a cheeseburger and a bologna sandwich there, uh, whale shark face, whatever that means. Um, but I was panicky because when I flew out to Florida, it's like everyone had masks and gloves and I'm like, you know what? Screw this, man. I'm not flying back without all that stuff. I'm not going to be the idiot that's not prepared. So I'm like, hey man, I'm getting a mask. I want, I want to, I want to breathe through a mask. So I'm, I start running all over the city. I'm looking for a mask. And I, where do you get, where do you get an, a, a coronavirus mask? It's not like you go to the mall and there's a coronavirus shop between, uh, you know, the Apple Store and uh, the Gap, right? So I'm running all around. I'm like, where the hell do you get these things? So I, you know, I thought, you know what, Home Depot, that's where. They, they sell paint and they sell, you know, concrete and they do come thinking they must have masks at the uh, filters at the Home Depot. I go, sold out. There's no, there's no uh, masks at Home Depot. There's none at Lowe's. I can't find them anywhere. So here's what I did. Had to get innovative. I went to Victoria's Secret. I bought a thong. 
Yeah, I got myself a thong. Beautiful thong, green neon. And I got a backup one, a leopard spot thong. And I'm sitting on the plane with the thong on my face. It says Midnight Angel right across my face. Midnight Angel. In fact, the pilot came out at one point and asked me out on a date. I guess it was, I look pretty hot. When you got a Victoria's Secret thong over your face that says Midnight Angel, you're probably asking for it. So I'm sitting there, you know, I got a five-hour flight. And I got this thong on my face. You know how th- you know how it is when you breathe with a thong, ladies. You know, right? You breathe out, it's flat. You breathe in, there's a hole, flat hole, flat hole. <sighs> right, ladies? Is that is that how it happens down there? I I maybe not. I don't know. But it did on my face. It'd be like breathe out, flat. Breathe in, <sighs> hole. And so I'm sitting on the plane for five hours, you know, agitating my face with this thong going in and out. And uh, when I land, I've got a, my face is chapped. I've got a red triangle of chapped skin around my face. I look like a a Russian raccoon or something. I've got the the Bermuda triangle of, of redness on my face. And I'm like, holy God, is this the coronavirus on my face? So I, right away, I go to a local clinic. I run in. I ask the doctor. I go, Doc, I was on the plane. I had a thong on my face for four hours. Do I have the coronavirus? And he looks at me, and he sees the red, and he goes, no, man, you got a yeast infection. I'm like, what the hell? You got a yeast? You, you don't wear a thong on your face for four hours? That's unsanitary. So now I'm scrambling around to find Vagisil. I've got Vagisil on right now. People think I was at the gym. Harlan, were you at the gym? Because you're sweating profusely. I thought the gyms were all closed. No, no, this my face is shiny because I've got seven layers of Vagisil on my face. Seven layers? Yeah, I got a Vagisil lasagna on my face. One layer is ricotta cheese, all right? Oh, my God. And then the glove, you know, where, where do you get these rubber gloves? Guess where you get them? You know where you get them? Subway. The people who work at Subway have the rubber gloves, the plastic gloves. I, w- I went into Subway. Can I help you, sir? Yes, I'd like your rubber gloves, please. Would you like cheese on those, sir? Yes, I would like cheese on those. And you know what? Well, you had to put some mayo and some jalapenos on them. I'll... I'll have something to eat, too. So now I got a Victoria's Secret thong on my face. I got Vagisil all over my forehead and on my cheeks. I'm wearing Subway gloves, okay? I smell like a sandwich and yeast. And even with all this, all I can keep hearing in my head is... My doctor's saying you got to wear protection. You got to wear protection. And, and, and when I hear that, I'm thinking condoms. So now I've been wearing a condom for seven days. I haven't taken it off. Well, I took it off once just to see how it was doing. And uh, have you ever seen a dumpling come out of a bamboo steamer? 
because, uh, wow, you wear a rubber condom on your tally whacker for seven days and it gets, I'm worried about mold at this point. It is, it is ripe. It is ripe. You ever, you ever sit in the bathtub too long and your fingers look like a sea cucumber or your, your toes look like someone amputated an old man's feet and sewed them onto your legs? You think those are wrinkly after sitting in a bathtub for 45 minutes. You got to see your, your uh, Hans Christian Andersen after it's been in a, wrapped in a condom for seven days. I'm telling you, man. This thing looks like somebody uh, gave birth to a Sharpay puppy between my legs. This thing, this is, it's scaring me. But I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to the doctor. I got to stay protected, man. So uh, it's just crazy. But these are the things we got to do. And, uh, you know, it, this, this whole virus is, is changing the landscape. It's changing, uh, changing how we think. It's changing the economy. And speaking of economy, Roger tells me that we have a guest on the line who's, uh, this is a guy who owns his own company? Okay, well, don't tell me too much. Roger's in my headphones here telling me we got a caller who wants to talk about the economy. Okay, well, that's fair. That's an important part of this. We talked about about how to self-isolate, how to protect, so let's talk about the numbers. Let's... Talk about the other thing that's got us all worried, the economy. So uh, let's get this guy through, Roger. Uh, is he on the line now? Okay, put him through, and uh, let's talk uh, dollars and cents with our uh, caller regarding the uh, coronavirus. Okay, we're, we're on the air here with, uh, I believe we're, we're uh, taking a call from... Alabama, is it? And uh, our caller's name is, uh, is that Randy Torm? Uh, that, that's Randy Torme, sir, if I may just correct you there real quickly. Randy Torme, and you're from Alabama? That's right, sir, Lincoln, Alabama. We are uh, the owners and operators of Rocktown Brewery. We are an independent brewing company out of uh Lincoln, Alabama. We've been there for uh, 65 years. It's a family-owned operation, and uh, we're proud to be bringing uh, alcoholic beverages to the marketplace uh, every day of the week, 275 days in the year. Well, that that sounds like you got quite a history there, uh, Randy, and, uh, you know, um, these must be tough times for you. How are you coping uh, economically with, uh, you know, uh, bars and uh, restaurants shutting down, that's got to have an impact. Uh, well, uh, you know, we, we live in a, in a competitive environment, Mr. Williams, here in the United States of America, and uh, and we feel that uh, living in this capitalist society in uh, in a place where everyone's uh, entitled to, to make a fair dollar, sir. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, you know, what we feel that uh, as of now, uh, our brewery, the uh, Rocktown Brewery, is at a, a distinct competitive disadvantage uh, due to the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, well, explain what you mean, sir. Isn't everybody at a, at a kind of a distinct uh, competitive disadvantage? Well, in our case in particular, Mr. Williams, as, as a brewing company, 
we have run into a virtual wall of, uh, of, of competition uh, due to the name of this uh, particular virus. The, the meaning the coronavirus, sir. A hundred percent, sir. Now, as you know, they named this virus after one of uh, the United States, if not the world's top sell, selling alcoholic beverages. Well, of course, you're, you're referring to uh, Corona beer. Is that accurate, sir? Bingo, sir. 100% correct. Uh, corona, uh, we have been in a uh, healthy competition with Corona for, uh, you know, ever since it arrived on the marketplace uh, many decades ago. And uh, we're fine with competition, but when the playing field becomes unlevel, Mr. Williams, well, we here at Rocktown Brewery, we got us a problem, sir. Okay, well, I'm not, why, why would the virus constitute you having a problem uh, with, with uh, beer consumption and the marketing and selling of, of alcoholic drinks? Well, it, it, it's right there in the name, Mr. Williams. Uh, if you wanted me to say the name of the virus again, coronavirus. Yeah, that's it, coronavirus. Well, there, you, we just said the word corona since the minute I've been on the phone. We probably said the name corona about two dozen times. Well, you know, you're probably not far off. Uh, I'm not far off, and that's all you hear on the news. If I watch the news, if I watch MSNBC or Fox or CNN, within 25 minutes they say the name Corona at least a couple of hundred times. Okay, meaning? Meaning they, the Corona Brewery is getting free advertising every single time that, that, that somebody says Corona. Well, that's kind of an obscure roundabout. <laughs> you have a cough there, Mr. Williams? No, no, I was just clearing my throat. I was saying that's an obscure roundabout way to look at this. Well, you can look at it any way you want, Mr. Williams, but words is words, okay? Well, okay. And words have meaning. We hear that all the time, right? Well, they do have meaning. So when you hear Corona... That's just a free plug for our competition. Well, uh, okay, I, you know, I guess. There's no guess, Mr. Williams. This is hurting our business. And, you know, if you had told me when I got into this, this industry of selling, uh, you know, recreational beverages, uh, that a virus would be a boost to uh, the bottom line to my, my brewing company, well, I would have laughed you all the way from here to the Mississippi River and back on down. In fact, I would have gone down, picked up a catfish, and slapped you right in the face with that old nasty fish. Well, so what I'm saying is, you know, I want to stay on a level playing field. And so to compete with the corona and the coronavirus and the corona brewery, Mr. Williams, we here at Rocktown Brewery have introduced our own line of virus-themed alcoholic beverages. Wait, what, what are you talking about, sir? Well, if, if you'd be so kind and indulge me, sir, I'd like to tell you about some of our exciting new products. Wait, you've got new lines of, of beer? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. We, we've got some wonderful new drinks that we're ready to to ship and, and serve, and, and uh, you know, we just want equal playing field, Mr. Williams. Well, I guess in, in a capitalist society, you're, you're allowed that. Yes, that seems fair. Can you tell us 
uh, some of your your uh, new your new brews. Oh, we have an exciting new line of a virus style uh, drinks, Mr. Williams. Uh, let me start with our, our, our biggest seller so far: AIDS Honey Wheat Ale. What was that? AIDS Honey Wheat Ale. It's a delicious blend. Hold on, did you say AIDS? Yeah, that's right, Mr. Williams. You mean the the the, the AIDS virus that that's killed millions and has decimated the AIDS. That's the, we're talking about the same AIDS, but but this is AIDS Honey Wheat Ale, Mr. Williams. What are you talking about, sir? Are you talking about mixing? A virus with an alcoholic drink? Just the way Corona did it, sir. Works working real well for them now. What? Now, what we do before you get all twisted up in a panty knot, Mr. Wim, let me tell you about the delicious taste of AIDS Honeyweed Ale. Yes, sir, Rocktown Brewery's AIDS Honeyweed Ale for that wonderful honeyweed taste with just a hint of the AIDS virus that... Hold on, sir! Hold, this is an insult. I mean, are you, are you listening to what you're saying? There are millions of people who have suffered from AIDS, who have died from AIDS, who still have AIDS. This, this was an epidemic and still is. Uh, the, the, the millions of people in Africa. And don't think we've excluded them. Now, if I could just tell you about the wonderful, refreshing taste of AIDS honeyweed ale. We've got a slight hint of Africans in there. We got a slight hint of the homosexuals. What? What? Mr. Williams, if I could finish. This is disturbing to say the least, Randy. Now, we got also a slight hint of Haitians. Do you remember when the AIDS epidemic first took off? It was mostly coming out of the, the, the Haitian community. And then after that... The homosexual community and that... Sir, this is an insult to homosexuals. It's an insult to, to Asians. It's insult to Africans. Are you out of your mind? Now, Mr. Williams, I can't change the scientific facts. Now, am I or am I right to say that the AIDS epidemic started in the Haitian and progressed into the homosexual community and then devastated uh, the African uh, people? Yes! Absolutely it did. That that's how it went down and you you can't you can't minimalize this by making it into a a honey wheat ale. Now Mr. Will, I I think I said when I told you the refreshing crisp taste of AIDS honey wheat ale, we have included the, the little hint of of uh, a little taste of homosexual mixed with Haitian with a with a little sprinkle of African American. How in the name of holy hell do you make a beer that tastes like homosexual and African and Haitian? Well, Mr. William, now this is part of our secret. Now, the Kentucky Fried Chicken don't go giving away their 11 herbs and spices, but we will tell you that we have squeezed a few mops at the YMCA, and we've figured out some of the juices that... Sir, this... Whoa! That you you can't be selling this type of drink, AIDS Honey Wheat Ale. I tell you, Mr. William, there is nothing more refreshing. If you've been out working on the tractor all day, or you've been cutting down trees, and you come home for a crack of nice AIDS Honey Wheat Ale, and just that 
that cool taste of homosexual and African with a, a little cinnamony twist of Haitian. I did nothing taste. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to stop. Out of respect for the for the gay community, for out of respect for African Americans, out of respect for out of respect for everybody. This is not going to work. Well, I, I wouldn't say that, Mr. Williams. In fact, we already have a celebrity sponsor attached to AIDS Honeyweed Ale. What do you mean a celebrity sponsor? Do you remember a few, uh, about a decade ago, I would say, Mr. Williams, one of America's top actors, one of the favorite actors of all time, Forrest Gump himself, Mr. Tom Hanks. Wait a minute, sir. Tom Hanks, now... Here's a man that did a movie called Philadelphia years ago uh, about the AIDS epidemic. And what are you talking about? And we thought, what could be a better fit than Tom AIDS Hanks for AIDS Honeyweed Ale? I mean, can you imagine the luck? What are you? No, this is a raging insult. You can't do this, sir. And not only that, Mr. Williams, but here's where we really kick Corona Brewery in the teeth. Mr. Tom Hanks, star of Philadelphia, the AIDS movie. Well, guess what? Mr. Tom Hanks had the coronavirus. So now it's almost like we're stealing from the Corona Brewery and we're bringing in not only did he have AIDS, but he also had coronavirus. And now he's our spokesman for AIDS Honeyweed Ale. Now, can you believe the lie? What? I know! Sir, this has got to stop. This, this is an insult. You can't do this. And if I could just mention some of our other lines of beer, we have Ebola Light, which is a light refreshing. Uh, Ebola Light? Oh, Mr. Williams, if you don't want all the calories, and one thing, you know, the Ebola virus, when it hit, what it did is it just sapped people of everything they had. It didn't, they were bleeding from their eyes and their mouth, and basically people became emaciated and skinny and just withered away like grapes on the vine, Mr. Williams. And so we thought, our marketing team thought, what a perfect fit, Ebola light. If you don't want as many calories in your alcoholic beverage, Ebola light. You drink a two, four of these and you're going to look like you got Ebola. I mean, that's what we joke about in the boardroom. Sir, this is a, this is a screaming outrage. Now, you can't do this. And for more of you recreational drinkers who don't necessarily like the taste of beer, we have Zika and hard lemonade. Remember the Zika virus, Mr. Williams? Killed millions of people and dogs and cats, too. Sir, this is, you are going down the wrong road. Well, tell that to the consumer. We've already shipped truckloads of Zika head hard lemonade, and a lot of the lady folk like it. You know, women aren't always the biggest beer drinkers, and they like to have options. And with Zika head hard lemonade, they get a little taste of Zika virus with that wonderful squirty taste of citrus lemonade just for, perfect for a summer day, Mr. William. Sir, I, I think I've gotta I think I've gotta stop this. And let me tell you about our newly introduced Hefasars. Hefasars? Yeah, well Hefa is the a German word. It's like a Hefebison. It's a wheat beer, but uh, we've infused it with a, a slight hint of ginger and orange SARS. Do you remember the SARS virus, Mr. Williams? What? Yes! Wait, we, these were horrible viruses. 
And lastly, can I just mention pint o' pork swine flu microbrew. Now, there's people that don't like the more traditional beers we offer. They like their drinks from a microbrewery. At- what, what did you say the name of it was? It's called Pine O' Park Swine Flu Microbrew. And wait till you hear our slogan, Mr. Williams. I don't want to hear your slogan. You can't have a pint of pork swine flu microbrew. What the hell? Uh, If you just listen to our slogan, uh, Pine O' Park Swine Flu Microbrew. Tip back a grunt, you cunt. (laughs) And we just think that's what... What, did you say tip back a grunt, you cunt? Bingo, you got it. We can send you a free case if you like, Mr. Williams. You know what, uh, Randy? I think this is wrong. You've offended people. You, you're not taking the virus seriously. This is insensitive. And I'm sorry, but you, you've worked me up to the point. Well, if you're all worked up, Mr. Williams, and it sounds like you're very animated, you're probably sweating, feeling a little damp under your arms... May I re- recommend for you to calm down a nice, tall, cold glass of LPA. What, what, what the hell is LPA? Leukemia Pale Ale. Now, that's our latest offering. And Oh, my God, leukemia, get the hell out of here. It tastes beautiful on ice, mister. Get the hell. Idiot. What? God. Leukemia Pale Ale. Did you did you hear that, Roger? What an outrage. This is, you know, I want to apologize on behalf of that moron. What a what an insult and an insensitive just greedy. Capitalism at its worst. Uh this this individual just clearly looking to profit on the suffering and misery of others. And, and uh, we do not endorse uh, any of those products. We actually are re- repulsed by those products. And uh, wow. Sometimes you just wonder, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the heat of a dilemma, in the heat of a, of a tragedy, I guess you get two sides. You get, you get heroes who emerge and you get, you get parasites who emerge. And, and what can I say, folks? Wow. Not cool. But let's move along, Roger. Let's, uh, you know, is there a possible way to get more of a scientific explanation and angle on this virus? You know, we've kind of discussed the symptoms and we've discussed, you know, but but if we really examined, studied the the psychological side, if we studied the, uh, the effects that something this devastating has on the moral psyche of of civilized communities, civilized people, and we've got them. Okay, I was hoping we'd go to someone who's at least an academic. Yeah, great, great. Okay, so uh, Roger has secured. He's at the airport. Great. Okay, he must be on his way somewhere, like a lot of us are. Uh, we have uh, Professor Rutherford Grimes. Uh, this uh, gentleman is a brilliant scholar. He uh, he's a professor of uh, African American culture, African American history, uh, and uh, he's a renowned uh, professor uh, from Yale. And uh, he just uh, probably can give us a really good understanding of of 
how this affects us all uh, from a mental point of view, uh, what it can lead us to, us, us as fragile humans in the human condition. So without further ado, he's, he's ready to go. Let's put him through uh, Professor Rutherford Grimes from, yeah, what? Oh, it's Berkeley. Okay, he's from Berkeley up in, in Northern California here. Right, right, right. Okay, uh, let's get him on right away. Uh, hello, uh, Professor. Uh, yeah, hello, uh, Mr. William. Yes, Professor Grimes, how are you, sir? Uh, under the, uh, the the circumstances, so I'm, I'm doing uh, I'm doing fairly well. Uh, there's a lot to deal with right now. There's uh, a lot of anxiety uh, in the air right now, but uh, under the, the the circumstances, I'm doing just fine, sir. Well, it's great that we understand you're at the airport, and we appreciate you taking some time out to uh, talk to us. Maybe if if nothing else, help calm some fears. Uh, I, I absolutely uh, excited to be here. I, I am on my way uh, across the country in a, in an airplane to visit some family, to be close to loved ones. And uh, Mr. William, this, this is a time when we must think about, uh, you know, who, who are the most important people around us? Who are the people that we want to be near under these dire circumstances? I know, it's true. Whenever, uh, <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, is, that, is that a cough you have there, Mr. William? No, no I was just clearing my throat, Professor. Okay, because that sounds a little natural. You sound like you're all phlegmed up and uh, you got some phlegm all over, the, all, all over your esophagus there. Yeah, no, it was just a little, I was just clearing my throat, sir. I've been doing a lot of talking today. I understand, sir, but uh, back to your point, uh, it is very important in, 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 for a psychological uh, point of view that uh, we are close to uh, people that we find comfort from, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, people that will bring us a sense of calm, a sense of family, a sense of togetherness, a sense of tribe, if you will, if I'm, if I'm dissecting this on a more primitive level, sir. Yeah, I understand that. We all kind of have our quote-unquote tribes, our families, and I think I think when there's a civil unrest, uh, it's almost like a natural instinct to get get close to the the people that are uh, maybe uh, genetically tied to you, but also you've formed uh, strong bonds with in life. Absolutely, Mr. Wood. We forge relationships and powerful bonds all through our lives, and and when things go askew, when things go off the rail, as they say, uh, it's important to rally around people that you know can be dependable to you, uh, both uh, physically and uh, emotionally, of course. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, most of us are walking on a, on a frayed wire when we're hearing all this doomsday news and the scariness and the, the, the rapid uh, contagious elements of this virus and and so you kind of need that support net underneath you is that isn't that right professor uh, absolutely because the psyche of society mr william that well, you know when an ailment like this affects all of us it just sweeps across us like a like a fog rolling in off the ocean and and enveloping us mr williams well that could create a general mood it can be great 
uh, a general mood that uh, depresses us. It, it, it brings us down. It makes us sag as a society, if you will, sir. Yeah, I get that. Sagging. We just kind of droop. We kind of frump. We kind of just kind of, you know, the, the, the joy goes out of your step. You're, you're, you're feeling just kind of hunched over. Absolutely. You said a, a key word there, Mr. Williams, uh, droop. And, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I think when people come to me and they ask me, you know, what is the origin of, of this type of, of, of affliction? What, what, where does this come from? How can a whole society, uh, to quote you, sir, be drooped by a virus like this? They, they appear to come out of almost nowhere, sir. Uh, I have to look back to one certain individual uh, who may be uh, the patient zero, if you will, sir, for this uh, mental state of mind. Oh, so you think just as the the virus actually had a patient zero at one time physically, this is interesting. You think there could be a psychological patient zero that kind of uh, you could attribute the kind of depressed, sagging demeanor of of all of us who are afflicted by this. Uh, 100%, Mr. Williams. And you can look through the databases, the, the, the genetic code of every human being on planet Earth to try and find uh, the psychological, if you will, patient zero. And uh, I think my data and my research up in Berkeley uh, always come back to one individual where you could uh, you could pin the tail on the donkey, if you will, sir. Oh wow! Okay, uh, that's uh, fascinating. So you think you've you've zeroed in on the exact person that may have might have caused kind of this this uh, this droopy kind of uh, empty feeling that that overcomes humans as they go through something like this. Uh, uh, absolutely. So, and you'd be surprised. <laughs> who it is uh, uh, have you ever heard of a, a famous Oscar winning actor Mr. Williams uh, this, this gentleman uh, one of the African American communities of pride and joy a wonderful actor Oscar winner uh, nominated for uh, Oscars wait a minute pr professor no you're not uh... this gentleman uh, he is a shining light in the acting community I'm talking about uh, Forrest Whitaker. Have you, do, do you know this actor? Sir, uh, you know, uh, are you talking about Forrest Whitaker, the, the, the actor who... Uh, absolutely. And, and when you talk about the droop, uh, quote-unquote, I want you to pull up a picture, anybody listening, pull up a, a picture of Forrest Whitaker on your internet, on your Google, and take a look at Forrest Whitaker's left eye. Oh, no, here we go again. Sir, if you could not... I, I need you to look at Forrest Whitaker's left eye, and you will see, Mr. Williams, that, that it drooped, as you would say, to use the coin your phrase, Mr. Williams. Forrest Whitaker's left eye drooped down like a broken shutter on a cottage that just went through Hurricane Katrina. It just hang and flap around in the wind and, and rattle around like a like an angry rattlesnake on the side of Brokeback Mountain or some someplace. Sir, can we not reference Forrest Whitaker's left eye? I think we're going down a really good path here to help 
people understand, uh, you know, maybe some of the emotions they're feeling. And if it's okay with you, I'd just like to keep it more in the... Well, uh, you know, <laughs> Mr. Webb, I've, I've, I've worked a long time. I've, I've been a professor. I've taught a lot of young, creative American minds. And, and if you don't mind, sir, I'd, I'd, I'd rather not be lectured at to, to, get, to alter my opinion and, and, and uh, censor myself when you were, uh, clearly had me on your show to try to try to sir to try to give an explanation to why we might be feeling uh, moody and depressed during this uh, critical situation we're in. Yes, but do you have to keep going back to Forrest Whitaker's left eye? Now, if you could just study it. And look at the way that eye, it drooped down. Like, you ever been riding your, your car through the countryside and you, you see an old barn standing out in the field? Maybe an old barn built up in the 20s or the 30s, a, a strong, mighty structure with a, a strong back, but then you look at the roof and the, the roof of that barn, it's just been, it's been out in the wind and the rain and the snow for decade after decade, just standing in that field, the wind blowing, and that, that barn roof, Mr. William, it just drooped down. It just, it just sagged right down in the middle. Oh, the, the, the two ends are strong, but right in the middle, it just sagged down, just hanging like Forrest Whitaker's left eye. Now, but sir, can we get off of Forrest Whitaker's left eye? I'm trying to focus on... And there'll be moss growing on it. There'll be green moss just hanging down. And, and, and the, the old bomb board, sometimes when a, when a breeze come whistling across the prairies, it just flapped those bomb boards up and down, and, and that's what Boris Whitaker's left eye do. If you ever watch in his movies, uh, oh my God, The Butler, I don't know if you ever saw his Oscar-winning performance in The Butler, but... There's a few scenes where with all forced Whitaker's acting ability, he whipped himself into a crybaby mode, tears coming down, and that that left eye, just that, the flaps just flapping up and down, and oh, the, like bomb boards blowing in, a, in an Oklahoma hurricane, just, just jumping up and down like, like uh, water coming up underneath the boardwalk. Uh, just crazy stuff, Mr. Williams. Okay, sir, can we... <sighs> I get it. I get it. But people, uh, their demeanor is down. They're they're feeling depressed because of the uncertainty. Can't this be attributed to uh, psychological studies done by by prominent psychologists and 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 human behavioralists? Do we have to keep going back to Forrest Whitaker's left eye now? You know, even in the physical form, when you see people during a dilemma like this, Mr. Williams, even the way they're walking around, they're, they're unsure, they're unstable, their posture, they're all hung over, their backs hunched over, they, they don't want to look up, the, the whole body is sagging. Okay, I, I, I can agree with that. But their whole body's sagging like Forrest Whitaker's left eye. Now, you ever been at the beach, Mr. Williams, and, you know, everyone's having a good time, throwing around a beach ball, and all of a sudden a beach ball land on top of a sea urchin. You see, a, you ever see a sea urchin, Mr. Williams, with the prickly needles like a porcupine's asshole? Sir, if we could just steer it back to the virus. And then that beach ball, it, 
it land on that porcupine asshole and, and the air slowly drift out of that beach ball and it just start to sag with the wind. even make a whistling noise it's like okay we get it the beach ball's losing air and I, I can't remember I can't remember which movie it was, Mr. Williams. I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I remember distinctly there was one movie where Forrest Whitaker eye, uh, his left eye, that is, just to be specific, uh, there was a scene where he was standing outside and it was he was waiting for a train to come or something on a platform and a train went whistling by and, and, you know, the turbulence that the air, when a train come whistling by, we've all felt it, the, 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 the blast of air that rushes by us. And, and I swear to God, Mr. Williams, in this particular scene, I can't remember the movie, but as that train whistled by Forrest Whitaker's face, the meat flap on his left eye, it just started flat, and it, you could hear it whistling like a, like a saggy meatball. It's like... Just flapping and wiggling, and his meaty left eye just jumping up and down like someone at the zoo just threw a giant slab of meat into the hyena cage, and it bounced around all over the ground. And the would you knock it off, sir? <laughs> Good God! <laughs> Somebody threw a slab of meat in in a hyena cage. Well, now you, you can laugh all you want, Mister William, but this is a serious serious situation. I'm trying to explain to you how the human psyche operate under these adverse conditions, in lethal, dangerous conditions, and it all come back to Forrest Whitaker's left eye. That, that's exactly right, Mr. Williams. And so, uh, you know, if, if people are wondering uh, how they can lift their spirit, how they can, they can rise above this dilemma, how they can mentally, uh, 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 you know, uh, rise above the, all, the, all the chaos and, 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 and all, the, all, the, all the depressed feelings, uh, I, I would advise uh, all your listeners to not watch Forrest Whitaker movies. Are you kidding me after all that? Yeah, yeah that's right, Mr. Williams. We're going through the biggest thing since the Black Death, the Black Plague, and your advice to people is to stay away from watching Forrest Whitaker movies. That, that, that's exactly right. And this comes from years of, of studying. This comes from years of research. Uh, you don't want to be looking at that big hanging left eye of Forrest Whitaker. I mean, this thing, it looked like a, like a catfish that just got run over by a boat propeller. I mean, this thing, it, it flops around, it flips around, and... You know, this, this thing, if you've been caught in Forrest Whitaker's left eye in a, in, a, in a windstorm, this thing would roll up like a, like a, a, a tortilla shell. It'd just roll up and be, be like an eyelid tortilla all filled up with eyelashes and, uh, you know, eyelid meat and some of that the yellow stuff in the corner of Forrest Whitaker's eye, like, like guacamole, just a giant eyelid tortilla flapping in the wind. Okay, thank you, sir. Goodbye. A big juicy and put some sour cream all over Falls Whitaker's left eye and have a big giant tortilla island. Goodbye, sir. God.
What in the name of holy hell? You know, you know what? I've had it. We've had two calls from people that just don't really seem to grasp what this virus is and how it's affecting everybody. And I'll tell you, there's one thing Rutherford Grimes, Professor Rutherford Grimes said that did make sense to me. He said that in these times of crises, we gravitate towards family and loved ones and we find comfort in that. I think his his psychological analysis on that was was spot on before he went down that ridiculous... Why does he always seem to go after Forrest Whitaker's left eye? But anyways, following through on the thought that, that um, you know, our tribe, quote-unquote, is what gives us maybe um, psychological strength and more, the moral support we need to ride out these situations, I think we should end the, the podcast here with... Uh, hearing from someone from my family, because you said she left a message, right, Roger? Yeah. Okay. So my Aunt Ruthie, who lives up in Rochester, New York, she's like 87 years old or something now. She lives with my Uncle Harry. And, uh, you know, they say that old people are really in danger with this virus, so I, I really hope that... I haven't heard her message yet. Can we play it? Yes, sir. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I hate to kind of be self-indulgent here, but I am worried about her, and I want to hear how she's making out in the midst of, of this, uh, this situation. So we'll end this show out with, uh, with hearing from my Aunt Ruthie and just see how uh, senior citizens, my aunt and uncle, are, are coping. Uh, go ahead and play her voicemail, uh, Roger, and uh, let's check in with my Aunt Ruthie. Hello? Hello? Are you there, Angel? Oh, my God. It's your Aunt Ruthie calling from Rochester, New York, Angel. How are you? We miss you so much, your Uncle Harry. And I say hello to Harlan, Harry. Oh, I don't know what he's doing. I think he's playing Jumanji or something. Anyways, Angel, we just wanted to check in. Our phones are going crazy. You can hear all the noise and the electricity's been going on and off. We've got this horrible virus going on up here. I don't know if you have it over where you are in the Hollywoods where they, you're making your televisions and your movies and whatnot, Angel. But up here in Rochester, everything's gone crazy-ass batshit. I mean, everyone's running around like they got their heads stuck in a giraffe's ass, for Christ's sake. I mean, it's just been insane. Everyone's worried about the coronas and the viruses and getting sick. And, of course, uh, you know, just wouldn't it be our luck? They say it's very dangerous for the old-timers, like your Uncle Harry and myself. And so we've been running around, Angel. Harry started the car, and we went down to Gelson's to the grocery store. And, uh, you know, we picked up all the groceries we could carry. (laughs) Oh, my God, I hope that's not the virus. But anyhow, Angel, we we gathered up as much as we could. We went in the store and we were pulling things off the shelf like like a dentist pulling wisdom teeth out of Rebel Wilson's lower back jaw, for Christ's sake. I mean, we were grabbing all kinds of things. We got 
you know, cans of soup and Irish stew. And, of course, Harry likes his his craft dinner, for God's sake, those cheesy noodles and whatnot, Angel. And everything was going just dandy. And then, of course, we got over to the toilet paper roll aisle, and everyone's grabbing toilet paper like they're ripping gold off of, you know, of the good King Wenceslas' fucking walls or something, for God's sakes. I mean... We got over to where the, the toilet paper usually is, and you know your Uncle Harry, he likes the five-ply because, you know, he likes to squirt a lot as he gets older. And so we go to the toilet paper aisle, and it's like the, it's fucking like the rumble in the jungle, for Christ's sake. People are hitting each other with crowbars and drop-kicking each other in the fucking head, and there were people in headlocks, and people were smashing water bottles all over everyone. I'm like, how much does everyone need to wipe the bottom, for Christ's sake? I mean, out of all the things in the store, I mean, people were walking by a T-bone steak to get to a, a roll of shaman, for God's sakes. I'm thinking, well, you're not going to be able to wipe your ass if you don't eat the food first, you dumb fucks, you know. So your Uncle Harry and I are standing there at a, behind our shopping cart with our jaws dropping open, Angel, and we're saying, what the hell is going on around here? People flying through the air. There were people doing the super fly off the top shelf. You know, people climbing up and doing the super fly the way uh, Randy Macho Camacho used to do it on WWE. And we're just astounded. We'd never seen behavior like this. It was like Cirque du Soleil met a mental hospital. And people were tumbling around and rolling around. People were tearing their shirts off. There was some person that I guess needed something instantly. They had their pants down and they left a diarrhea trail down the, the you know, like like a like a, a moose footprint in the mud in the forest, for Christ's sake. I mean, it was just crazy, Angel. And so we got away with all our food, but we didn't have any toilet paper. And of course, when we got back to the house, you know, down there on Pumpernickel Lane, well, we suddenly realized what all the calamity was about with the toilet paper, for God's sake. Your Uncle Harry did a movement that pretty much shook the foundations of the house. I mean, I don't know if he ate a box of Lucky Charms or he ate a box of dynamite. This guy, I mean, the noises coming out of the bathroom upstairs. I thought Dracula had risen from the grave and sucked the juices out of Rebel Wilson's legs. I mean, I couldn't believe it, for Christ's sake, Angel. And so here we are, the roof's shaking, the, the floors are rumbling, your Uncle Harry comes out, and guess what? He's like, we've got no toilet paper, Ruthie. You know how he likes to yell down the stairs, for Christ's sakes, even when there's company at the house, for God's sakes. And I'm like, well, I know, Harry, there was none at the grocery store. Everyone at Gelson's was fighting like hyenas, you know, jumping around a dead zebra carcass, for Christ's sake. And so now we got Harry, and he's, uh, you know, he looks like somebody dropped a chocolate pudding cup on his ass, and then we're like, what what the hell do we do? And now Harry starts using the drapes, he's wiping off on the drapes, and then, the, you know, that didn't really last, so then he starts pulling books off the shelf, and he's wiping his hairy old crack with a, you know, a, a couple of pages of Peter Benchley's Jaws and some Ernest Hemingway, and some Ann Rand got up into his crack, for Christ's sake. There was even some Charles Dickens hanging out of his a-hole, for God's sake, Angel. I mean, your Uncle Harry was using classic novels to wipe his 98-year-old 
crevasse, for Christ's sake. And, you know, of course, you know, Harry ate all the lucky jobs. I guess he's got the runs or something. So off he goes up to the turret again. And this guy starts pumping, uh, you know, junk like the Alaskan pipeline just hit a gold mine, for Christ's sake. And once again, he comes out and he's we got no toilet paper. And Harry's running out into the street. And there's one of the Carlson boys playing street hockey. This kid's about a six-year-old boy, a little freckled face with red hair. <laughs> Excuse me, honey. And your Uncle Harry runs up and grabs this kid by the head and uses his mop top to wipe his ass. Uncle Harry's using a six-year-old boy as toilet paper, for Christ's sake. And now, we're, you know, now the neighbors are coming out and yelling, and Harry's like, I gotta wipe my crack. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this virus is making everyone violent and insane. And it's just unbelievable, Angel Cake. So, um, you know, you, you, we're doing okay, but your uncle, how are you doing, Harry? Oh, my God, he's just out of control. He does frauds that look like cabbage cabbage patch kids. I mean, I don't know if I, you can, you know, frauds are supposed to be unbelievable, I mean, you know, invisible angel, but Uncle Harry's frauds are so bad, they have faces on them. It's, un, it's horrible. But anyways, Angel, enough about me. I hope you're doing okay in the virus, and I hope you're staying healthy, and you got lots of toilet paper for yourself, Angel. Your Aunt Ruthie and your Uncle Harry love you so much. Hold on. Harry, do not wipe your bottom on the TV screen. No. That is a toilet paper commercial. It's not real toilet paper. Oh, my God. He's wiping his ass all over a flat screen. There's a shaman commercial. You know the one with the little blue bears on it? They got It's an animated cartoon. The, the shaman commercial where the bears are talking about wiping their bums. Your Uncle Harry's rubbing his big hairy, pruny ass all over the cute little bears. It's like looks like somebody shit out a Care Bear, for Christ's sake. Get the hell off the TV, Harry. Oh, my God. I got to go, honey. This is just getting out of control. Be safe. Call me when you can. Your Aunt Ruthie loves you. Don't forget to drink lots of orange juice and wipe your bottom if you can. Okay, Aiden? We love you. Goodbye, baby chunks. Goodbye. Harry, get your... Now you've got your bottom on an episode of Magnum P.I. Get your dirty bottom off of Tom Selleck's mustache. Jesus Christ, Harry, you dirty man. Well, there you go. There it is. The uh, Harland Highway Podcast Coronavirus Special. Whoever thought we'd ever hear those words? Uh, but anyways, I just did this hoping that it would take your mind off it, help you laugh a little. Sometimes you have to look at the worst, scariest things and learn how to make fun of them. And, uh, you know, it helps, it helps alleviate some of the tension and the anxiety that these, uh, these events can bring. So, uh, hopefully, um, this took your mind off and put a smile on your face for a little bit and, uh. And I hope you enjoyed. Um, and if you want to enjoy more stuff, if you want to take your mind off the mad, mad world we live in even more, I want to tell you about something uh, new that I'm doing. And I think I mentioned it um, way back when we were you know, hanging the podcast up in, in last June. 
I told you I'd shifted my energy to a new project, and I want to tell you about it. Uh, it's a little uh, video series that I'm doing called Two Guys in Their Underpants. Now, hold on. Before you shut me off, hear me out. It really is this ridiculous little um, video series that I'm shooting. It's with these two crazy little dolls. Two dolls that just wear underpants and black loafers. And uh, these are dolls that I travel all over the world with. And I shoot little episodes with these nutty dolls doing crazy things. And uh, I think if you like my sense of humor, if you like the podcast, I think you'll absolutely love two guys in their underpants. And you're like, all right, we've heard enough. Where do we get it? Well... Uh, you get it on a digital platform called Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon, sorry, P-A-T, yeah, R-E, I can't even spell it, Patreon, let me write it out here, that way I won't, let's see, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, I had it right, I'm not an idiot, just stupid. Patreon.com backslash Harland Williams. And that will take you right to it. Or if you can't find it, go to harlandwilliams.com and you'll see a new category for my Patreon page and you can read all about it. And how it works is um, I post uh, original material. I post this show. And basically what you do, if you want to support what I do, um, you can, uh, you can, uh, sign up and, and you pay like a monthly fee, which starts as low as $5. So for $5 a month, you get to see all my, uh, my work on Patreon, including, uh, two guys in their underpants and also including another video series I did, which is a lot darker, more serious and plays into what we're going through right now a post-apocalyptic series called The Australian, which is a show about uh, a lone wanderer, a vigilante, who uh, wanders the wasteland after a virus decimates the human population. Talk about timely. And that's going up in uh, June. I'm going to launch that one. And all kinds of other stuff. And I might be bringing back episodes of the Harlan Highway podcast on my Patreon page. So it's just a creative space where I get to post original material. Because all this stuff takes time and money and a lot of effort. Uh, that's why we ask for a little bit of money back from you guys. So I can uh, I can fund this stuff. It all adds up. And uh, it's a lot of work. But I love doing it. But at the same time. I uh, I need to uh, I need to fund all my madness, and so for five dollars a month, I think that works out to like sixty bucks a year or something. Uh, you can join up, and uh, you can watch all these shows and hear all this uh, stuff that uh, I think will uh, really make you laugh and bring more happiness and joy into your life. So uh, I love making it. I hope you like watching it. And uh, you like hearing it. And so go to uh, patreon.com backslash Harlan Williams. And please, if you have it in your heart, uh, join the Patreon page. And uh, you will get stuff that nobody else gets to see or hear but you. 
So get on there. And uh, thank you in advance for any uh, support. And uh, I'm telling you, this two guys in their underpants series is really demented. I post a new episode every 10 days, and it is crazy. I mean, I've had the I'm fi- I've filmed these guys in uh, Saudi Arabia. I've filmed them at the St. Louis Arch. I've thrown them over Niagara Falls. I've I've filmed them at Burning Man Festival. I've filmed them in Vegas. I've filmed them. They've been all over the place, and it just gets stupider and stupider with every episode. So uh, get on there and join the laughter and so much more. As the uh, page evolves, you're going to see much more material coming out of me. And if you miss the Harland Highway podcast, trust me, for $5 a month, you're going to get that empty void inside of you filled with the crazy material I'm putting up there, especially for you guys who join. So patreon.com backslash Harland Williams or go to harlandwilliams.com. Check out my Patreon page and you can join there too and you can read more about it and see some some, uh, exclusive clips and whatnot. And I look forward to entertaining you at my patreon.com page. So thanks, guys. Be safe, use your uh, common sense, isolate yourself, Uh, go stand in your closet and sniff mothballs if you have to, but um, we're going to get through this, it's going to be fine, Um, you know, it's a tough time to deal with, but it reminds us, uh, if anything else, if I can get philosophical right at the end here, it reminds us... uh, of how to uh, give thanks for the uh, the charmed lives we have. You know, we take it for granted every day that we're just going to wake up and the sun's going to be shining and we're going to go to work and watch TV and go to McDonald's. But every day is a gift. Every day that we're alive is a gift. And, and these viruses and other calamities that face the human race are not anomalies. There will be more. And there could be worse ones. I guess the only silver lining is this one, even though it's deadly, is a mild form of deadly. It's almost like a bad flu virus that we can overcome. But God forbid the day comes when a virus comes that just drops us like like we've been hit with bug spray. And not to be a, a fear monger, but that's that's highly possible and could happen one day. So... Let's give thanks. Let's remember to be kind and loving to each other and remember what a precious gift life is and how precious it is we get to be around each other and share and and laugh and cry and love and all that good stuff. Being human and, and, and living on this beautiful planet is truly a cherished gift. And uh, let's remember when we're hit with this stuff how special it is and how special you are and how special we all are. And uh, I want to thank you for being here today. And until next time, keep your face mask on, wear gloves, and try to eat lots of chicken chow mein, baby. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God.